So I want you to open to Psalm 22. That's where we'll be today. And we were there last week. Some of you remember that, that we were there last week. But we didn't talk about all of Psalm 22. We referenced a few things. What we're looking for now is not just spending our summer in the psalm, but where is the gospel in the psalm? I want to remind you that Jesus is all in the Old Testament. The love of God towards mankind we see all through the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. Uh, And so what we've tried to do last week was compare a little bit Psalm 22 with Matthew chapter 27. So we'll be uh, flashing back and forth there a little bit uh, between those two again today and even in Matthew 26. So we're going to follow several different um, scriptures this morning, but they all tie in together. So I just want you to come along with us if you would. Remember that Jesus said in Luke 24, verse 44, he cries out, he, he speaks this to his followers and says that all the prophets' words must be fulfilled, the law of Moses must be fulfilled, and he said even that which was written in the psalm must be fulfilled. He says that to his followers. And so Jesus put a lot of emphasis, we might say, on the psalms. Well, Last week, if you notice, we took several verses from Psalm 22 and and likened it to to Matthew chapter 27, but I didn't read one of the most popular, perhaps the most popular, verses from Psalm 22 that Jesus quotes from the cross of Calvary. Some of you picked up on it. Maybe you didn't notice it. But I want to read to you today the first two verses. The Psalms, as David writes in Psalm 22, My God, my God... Why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar from the words of Jesus from the cross? David continues, Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Why are you so far away? Have you ever felt that way about God? You're going through a trial, you're going through a difficulty in your life, and you're like, God, where are you? God, why does it feel like you're so far away, like there's this distance between us? He continues in verse 2, Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. I've been there where I've cried out to God, and he just seemed quiet. He seemed silent. He says, you don't answer, and by night, but I find no rest. He's asking God, why do you seem so far off? Why do you seem to delay in rescuing me in my time of need? David is eventually rescued, and as you read through Psalm 22, as I referenced last week, the last several verses, verse 22 through 31, talks about how his, his cries of desperation and his, his cries of desiring to be rescued, his cries of desolation turn to cries or a, or a hymn, we might say, of praise. But Psalm 22 predicts Jesus' crucifixion and his death for sinners like you and me, those of us who would be disobedient to God. We read about that even in Psalm 22, pointing towards Jesus and pointing towards the cross as we read last week in Matthew 27. Jesus quotes this cry of desolation from the words of David in Psalm 22. We hear him cry that from the cross. And let me encourage you that in it, although it is desolate, It also has implicit in its context absolute faith in Father God. Sometimes I think we miss that. David is crying out not without hope. He's not crying out in doubt 
although it seems to be full of doubt. God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? Jesus from the cross in Matthew 27, as he cries out, it seems only a cry of desolation. Father, where are you? Why have you left me? But I want you to know that in its context, there is great faith presented as well. And God ultimately delivers David, and God, of course, raises Jesus the Father, raises Jesus from the dead. He is alive forevermore. I want you to recognize what this passage is not saying. Can we start there today? Not just what, what my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not just what it means, but let's start to help us understand what it really means. Let's identify or recognize what it does not mean. Well, when Jesus cried, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me from the cross? It does not imply that Jesus wondered why he was dying. Jesus knew full well why he was dying. He said in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, in fact, he said of himself, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Jesus knew he would die for our sins. Make no mistake about it. It was not a cry questioning God why this was happening. He was not questioning the Father. He knew full well. In fact, number one in your outline, I want you to identify this. This was not a cry of doubt. This is an urgent appeal to Father God. I believe that Psalm 22 is teaching us how to cry out to God in our time of desperation. I believe that the words of Jesus from the cross in Matthew 27 is also teaching us how to pray. It's teaching us in our time of desperation and desolation how to cry out to God. It's not a cry of doubt. It's an appeal to God. It's a very real cry of anguish because the suffering has gone on for so long. Have you ever been in those places in your life? It's not, you're not doubting God. You're just like, God, I don't even need to know why. I'm just struggling right now with how long. How long do I have to endure this? The title of our teaching today is, Lord, how long? How long do I have to endure this? And how long, Lord, will you delay in delivering me? With this context for the quotation, we recognize the words of Jesus are taken right out of the psalm, and it helps us better understand this question. David is crying out, Lord, how long? Is really what he's asking here. Where are you? I'm ready for you to come and deliver and to rescue and to save, but you delay. Jesus crying from the cross, no doubt much the same. How long? I believe that Jesus full well knew he was going to, to die on the cross for the sins of the world. We just showed you one of those many verses out of Mark. But I also want you to know that I believe in Jesus' humanity Although he was divine and he was also human, he knew he was going to die for the sins of mankind. But I think in the midst of the anguish and in the midst of the pain, he could not help himself but to cry out, God, how long? How long will this endure? I, I want you to recognize that. How long will you be away from me? How long will you stand far from me? Why have you forsaken me? This is the sense of Psalm 22. Jesus in his human nature knew he would bear our sin. He knew he would suffer for the sins of man. He knew he would die for the sin of man. But in his human consciousness, it would seem that he probably did not know how long this suffering would take. 
and in the midst of the pain he cries out. Yet to bear the guilt of millions of sins, even for a moment, would cause the greatest anguish of the soul. Just a, just a moment of bearing. I mean, you know how you feel when you've sinned. When you've disobeyed God, you know the heaviness in your heart and the disappointment and the, the sick feeling you get in your stomach and the broken heart that you have to know you broke the heart of God. Now take the millions of sins of every man and woman in the world and place it on Jesus Christ. The, the overwhelming sense of anguish and guilt that Jesus felt on the cross of Calvary because of my sin, because of your sin, because of the sins of everyone in the world. It was great anguish to his soul. Jesus' suffering did not end in a few moments. You do know that. Jesus suffered for hours. Even for a moment would cause would cause us to, to be able, we might say, to explode. I can't do this. Jesus' suffering went on for hours. Hour after hour it continued, and no doubt Jesus is saying, when will this end? His humanity is crying, how long do I have to suffer like this? Father, will you ever bring this to an end? That's what David's crying out in his time of suffering. And many of you, and myself included, we have had those moments where we just cried out to God in total desperation, God, how long do I have to endure this? This question does not mean, it does not, it does not mean that Jesus did not know why he was dying. And here's the other thing I want to make clear. This question does not mean that Jesus felt the Father had abandoned him forever. He's not saying, why have you left me forever? Jesus knew that, that he would be leaving the world and going back to the Father. John 14, 28 as a reference. John 16, 17. He told his disciples, I'm not going to be with you very long. I'm going back to the Father. He knew full well that this would not last forever, that the, that the separation between him and Father God, because of what he endured, it would not last forever. He knew that. Jesus knew he would rise again. John chapter 2 and verse 19, a, a reference for you there. Mark chapter 9, verse 31. Prophetically, speaking of himself, he spoke of his resurrection that would happen three days after he would die for the sins of man. So he wasn't speaking of like, I'm abandoned forever. And friend, let me encourage you with some hope today. There may be periods of time in your life as there is in mine where I'm like, God, where are you? I need help and I need it right now. We established in Psalm 22, that's one of the cries there in the verses. It's like, Lord, I need you right here and I need you right now. How many's ever felt that way? Lord, I need you to come deliver me right now, right here. I'm in desperate need. We're going through a situation with my, my son or, or, or our marriage is on the rocks or I don't know what I'm going to do financially or I'm so depressed and discouraged or my physical body seems to be falling apart. Whatever it is that you cry, we know what it's like to feel that anguish in God. Why and how long? Where are you? Please come. Please rescue. But I, I have good news for you this morning. The hope that we have in our Lord is although sometimes we feel like God is afar off, He is never truly afar off, and our pain and our struggle will not last forever. God is faithful, and He will bring it to an end. 
And then if this life, all we have is trouble, then we have hope of the life that is to come. Amen? Because how many of you know this life is not all there is? There will come a day when our Lord and Savior says, Enough! And He takes us out of this world and He rescues His people from all that we've been going through. I'm grateful for that. I want you to notice something here this morning. I think there's something far more painful than the physical pain that Jesus went through. And it was the feeling, it was the moment of being separated or forsaken by all. You know, there's times I've been asked of the Lord to walk through some things, and so have you. I can walk through what God asked me to walk through, but some of the greatest pain is when you feel like you walk alone. Some of you may feel alone this morning. Let me encourage you, you're never alone. God is with you. He is with you. And you have a church family here who cares about you and will walk with you through difficulties. Remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before they came, when Jesus is praying so, so, um, so animately that the Bible says his sweat became like blood. He had asked Peter, James, and John to pray with him, to watch with him. He confided in them as his close friends. Mark chapter 14, verse 34, he says, My soul is sorrowful even to death. Please watch with me. Pray with me. Remain with me. This is the kind of confidence one would disclose to a close friend that's looking for support. Sometimes you've been in those places. I've been in those places where I reach out to a friend or a family member and say, watch with me, pray with me. I'm going through a real difficult time. If you don't have somebody like that in your life, you need somebody that you can ask to pray with you and stand with you in difficult times of life. Jesus is trusting Peter, James, and John in Mark chapter 14. And he asked them, and of course they let him down. Not just those three, but all the disciples scattered. When they came to take Jesus in the garden, when they came to take Jesus away, when the soldiers came, there was an instant, there was a moment where the disciples were ready to fight. But when Jesus says, we're not doing it the way you think we're going to do this, the Bible says they all scattered. In fact, Matthew 26, verse 56, and there's a misprint in your bulletin. There's a misprint there. Please change this in your bulletin under number two. It's not Matthew 26, 25. It's Matthew 26, 56. The Bible tell, and that's my mistake. The Bible tells us that all of the disciples forsook Jesus and they fled. They all did. They had all said, we will go with you to death. We're with you all the way. But in this moment, this moment of pain, this moment of confusion and weakness, the Bible says that they all fled. The physical pain of the crucifixion and of taking on himself the absolute evil of our sins was intensified by the fact that Jesus endured this pain alone. That's point number two in your outline. He, he faced this pain alone. He was abandoned by all. Now all of us have tasted what it means to, to have this inward ache of rejection. We've all know, we all know what it means to some degree to, to have a, a feeling of reje rejection by somebody, maybe a parent or a friend or a coach or you know, a, a teacher or, or a neighbor, whoever, whatever relationships we might be in. We know what it's like to feel that rejection. And in those, oftentimes, we're doing this reflection saying, is it something I did? Did I do something wrong? Could I have done something different so that this relationship did not end this way with such rejection? But friends, when we look at Jesus Christ, he had done nothing. 
He had done nothing. There was no fault of his own at all. In fact, the Bible tells us in John 13 and 1, he loved his disciples. He loved his own. He loved them to the end, the Bible says. He loved them to the very end. He did nothing wrong. It was nothing of his fault. And yet they abandoned him and left him alone, probably we would say even when he needed them the most. But far worse than even the people who left him was this desertion that he felt. He was deprived of the closeness of his heavenly father. In this moment, Jesus cries, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt the separation from Father God for the first time, for the only time. He'd never experienced that before. This close fellowship that he knew with Father God, had, where he got his deepest joy from as he walked as a human in this life, in this earthly life, the strength he drew from from Father God as he withdrew from the crowds and away from his disciples and prayed and spent time with the Father, teaching us how to do that. Now for the first time and the only time, there's a separation, not only from his followers, his disciples, his friends, but even from Father God, there's a separation. This close fellowship with the Father existed no longer for this moment. That's why we read these haunting and troubling words from Jesus on the cross after three hours of hanging and suffering in shame shortly before Jesus' death when the Father stood at a distance. When there was a separation, Jesus cries aloud in Aramaic, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You'll read that in Matthew 27, verse 46. Jesus is repeating the exact words of the psalm. He's teaching us, I think real important here, he's teaching us to cry out to Father God in our time of need, our time of desperation, and I believe he's also teaching us to pray the word of God. He quotes the psalm. In his most desperate hour, he is teaching us, even in this moment, to pray the word. He repeats the exact words of Psalm 22, verse 1. I, I believe that's really what he dreaded most when, when his sweat became as blood in the garden. I don't think he was sweating as much over the physical pain that he would endure. I think he knew, knowing what was to come, there would be this moment of separation where he and Father God we're no longer in this perfect fellowship, and there was this separation for this moment. And I think that's what he sweated about the most. You read that in Matthew 26, 39, where he prayed, Lord, let this cup of, Father, let this cup of suffering pass from me. I think that was the thing that probably weighed most heavy on his heart, was this aloneness, this abandonment that he would feel. I'd like to say it this way, number three in your outline, I believe Jesus suffered a double death. And I want you to listen very closely. He suffered a double death in this moment. The physical agony, agony that Jesus endured was horrible. The physical ag agony that he endured was horrible. But even worse was this period of separation from his father. The father delivered him up into the hands of his enemies. And he did not appear to deliver him from their hands. Think about this. There was no angel sent from heaven to deliver Jesus in this moment. There was no earthly friend who stood up with him or raised up for him in this moment. Jesus' cry of abandonment is awful, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where have you gone? How long will this take? I need you now. I need you to come rescue me now. I can't do this to rescue us. He endured being cut off from the eternal fellowship with his Father in this moment. Jesus suffered a double death. Physically, he died on the cross of Calvary, but he also suffered in another way, a death in another way. You see, true hell is total separation from our God. I, I still preach and believe that there is a hell that was not created for God's people. It was created for the devil and his angels. But those who reject God, the Bible is clear, they will go to hell. The Bible's clear of that. Now, there's, there's not a lot of pastors that will tell you that anymore. We're all good. We're all going to heaven. Everybody just get along. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that we must repent of our sin, and we must believe in Christ alone in order to be saved or to make heaven our home. The only way to Father God is through Jesus Christ. It's the only way. But in this moment, think with me, this double death, Jesus physically is dying. But in this moment of separation from the Father, he experienced hell for us. Because the worst part about hell, friends, is not going to be the flames of hell. The worst part about hell will be separation, total separation from Father God, the God of love, the God of peace, the God of joy, separation from him. No more opportunity for salvation. That's what hell will be. It's the absence of our Father God. You don't want to go there. You don't want to have to live in that. And here's the good news. Jesus, because he suffered a double death, he physically died, but he also endured that moment of separation from Father God, which in a very real sense is a death all its own. He did that so that you and I would never have to experience separation from God the Father. Do you get that? He did it for you. That means in your time of trial and trouble, now God is present with you. If you're his child, if you're his follower, no matter what you're walking through today, there is hope. You are not alone. You might feel alone, but you are not alone. God, the Father, walks with you by his Spirit as well as his Son, Jesus, dwelling within you as his follower. There is so much beauty in this when you consider it that that he went through this to give us hope that in our time of trouble today, God is with us. We're never separated from him. And when this life is over and we stand before the Lord, we will never have to know if we've trusted in Christ, repented of sin and trusted in Christ, we will never have to know what it means to be separated from Father God. Why? Because of Jesus. Because of what he did for us. He experienced that death of separation from Father God so you and I never have to. But we must repent. We must repent and trust in Christ alone for our salvation. I want you to stand with me this morning, would you? I want you to notice a couple other verses here as you stand. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. We spoke of that last week. Remember the righteous sufferer. Why did he do that? So that he might bring us to Father God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us that he became sin who knew no sin. He took all the sins of the world upon himself. 
he became sin who knew no sin. He never sinned himself, but he took all of our sins upon himself. Why? That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you this this morning? The cry of desolation, don't miss this. Don't walk out of here and miss this part. Notice that even in this cry of desolation, it's not a cry of total despair from Jesus nor from David. Even when he felt forsaken, even when he was, he was separated in this moment from the Father, he kept holding tight to him. And he said, my God, my God. Hear the possessiveness of that? Hear the ownership? Hear the reality that he says, you're still mine. I feel forsaken, but you're still mine. I still belong to you. And friend, this morning, no matter what you're walking through, you might feel a distance between you and the Lord. And if it's because of sin, that sin needs to be repented of. You need to repent of disobedience to God. It's only when we repent of sin and trust in Christ alone for our salvation that we, that we are saved indeed and made right with the Father. But if you're this morning, if you, if you are a child of God, if you've trusted in Him and you're walking through a trial and you just feel this distance between you and God, I'm here to tell you this morning, hold on. And when you come to a time of prayer, you can say, My God, my God, you are mine. I'm trusting in you. You'll never abandon me. You'll never forsake me. You'll never walk away from me. I never have to face this life alone because you are my God because of Jesus, because of what he did for me.